0: Are you looking forward to what God has for us in 24? I'm so thrilled that you're thrilled. (laughs) All right. Are you seriously excited about what God's going to do in and through us in 2024? Yes or no? All right. So I want to make sure you're here, make sure you're awake. Before I get into God's word this morning, I want to just talk to you a little bit. You've heard about a leadership course that I've been referring to in my. Emails, in my office I have 50 copies, actually I have 49 because I have one of them here. Copies of the book that we're going to be looking through. And there's 21 laws of leadership, but I'm going to look at them in five sections. We're going to look at them in the self-leadership, how do I lead myself? People leadership, how do I help lead other people? Team leadership, organizational leadership, and strategic leadership. So if you're interested, and as I shared in my, in my email, I've got a surprise for you. If you can come or if you can't be here next Saturday or this coming Saturday at 11 o'clock, email me. Let me know that you want to be involved, even though you may not be able to be there. And I'll make sure that you get the surprise because God has blessed us abundantly here and I need 50. I'm trusting for a hundred. 50 couples. Lots of singles to come and just desire to learn what it means to be a leader. All right. Anybody interested in that? Right here. All right. Here's a free book. Come, come get it. No, no, that's you. That's yours. And If John didn't sign it, I could sign it for you if you want, but it's all good. All right, let's get into this month. I shared with you that I'm gonna talk about stewardship and uh, (laughs) I often tell people when I talk about stewardship that I'd rather talk about sex than money. (laughs) And I hate talking about sex. So um, I just want you to know that we're we're gonna spend some time together in God's word. I believe it's one of my responsibilities as a pastor to teach you about stewardship. And again, stewardship's not all about money. There's one Sunday I'm gonna talk about money Not today, necessarily. But I wanna talk about priorities. I wanna talk about what Jesus said about priorities, what Jesus said about investments, what Jesus said about giving. And then also, what did Jesus talk about and say about responsibility? And I have one of my dear friends, um, Pastor Jeremy Cook, who's now at our district office here in the Midwest. He's gonna come the last Sunday and talk about responsibilities, and you're gonna love him. He's just an incredible man. And uh, he's just so graciously going to come and uh, speak to us. So you ready to go? All right, let's do it. On the night of April the 14th, 1912, the great ocean liner, the Titanic, crashed through an iceberg in the Atlantic and sank, causing significant loss of life. One of the most curious stories about the disaster was a woman who had a place in one of the lifeboats. She asked if she could return to her stateroom for something that, that she had, and it would just take three minutes. And so she hurried back through the corridors and she stepped over the money and the precious gems that were littering the floor that had been dropped in haste as people were running to the lifeboats. And in her stateroom she went and she ignored her jewelry and she grabbed three oranges instead. Then she quickly returned to her place in the boat. And just hours earlier, it would have been ridiculous to think that she would accept a crate of oranges in exchange for even one small diamond. But when Jesus came to earth and started his ministry, he also transformed life's values. You see, suddenly circumstances had transformed all the values aboard the ship. And oranges became more precious than diamonds. One of the greatest scripture passages that indicates this transformation is our passage that we're going to look at together. So if you have your Bible or if you have your app, I encourage you to look at Matthew chapter 6. I'd love to read it together with you, but for the sake of time, I'm going to read it as I go. It's found in one of the most incredible sections of teaching in Matthew's Gospel chapter 5 to 7 on the beatitudes. So let me read to you Matthew 6:33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Jesus teaches us, friends, about priorities. Know what is important and to seek what is important. Someone has said, an infant is born with a clenched fist, and a man dies with an open hand, and life has a way of prying free the things we think are so important. Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom. This gives us an insight that there are more options than to just seek him first. You know, here are the top 10 New Year's priorities. Chances are, more or a couple of you can relate to the top 10 most common resolutions that most people look for in the New Year. Number one, exercise more. Number two, lose weight. Number three, get organized. Number four, learn a new hobby or skill. Number five, live life to the fullest. Number 6 save more money spend less money number 7 quit smoking number 8 spend more time with family and friends 9 travel more 10 read more How do you decipher what your priorities ought to be in 2024 Have you taken the time during this transition from 23 to 24 to think about what is it that you want to make a priority and by the way, the, the, trans, the transition assessment that you all took a little while ago, I'm about 95% done, and I'll be presenting my, final, my, my findings, pardon me, to our transition team in January the 15th, sharing them with them, and then shortly after that, I will let it be known to all the congregation. So just, that's one of my priorities for this year, just so you know. But look, to me that, look with me this morning to the verses preceding that verse, for the options that Jesus talks about. So what are the five priority questions that we need to ask? You see, Jesus lists us in this passage in Matthew six, before verse 33, five areas of our lives to help reveal our priorities to us. So let's look at the first one. The first thing is he said is his savings, our treasures in verses 19 to 21. People save the strangest things, uh, in fact, I googled the strangest things that people collect. <laughs> there, there were so many to choose from. I found one, 30, 43 wildest collections so crazy it will blow your mind. Here's number nine. McDonald's memorabilia. 60-year-old McDonald's owner Mike Fontaine has an incredible collection of McDonald's memorabilia. Mike's dedication to McDonald's goes beyond a good work ethic and extends to a mind-blowing assortment of 75,000 bits of McDonald's memorabilia. Where do you put that? His collection occupies over 7,000 square feet of his home in Pennsylvania. The collection consists of 1,000 McDonald's cups and uniforms, 11,700 lapel pins, old displays, and virtually every Happy Meal toy the chain has ever created. On top of that, there's a famous life-size rem- uh, Ronald McDonald mascot doll. What do you collect? What do you save? Jesus said in your notes, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus says there are two options, as it were, to where you can store your treasures. On earth, where moth will eat it, and rust will destroy it, and where thieves will break in and steal it, or in heaven, where they are free from all that disintegration. You see, verse 21 gives us the truth. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I just want to share with you, with these five areas, I'm going to give you a truth, and then I'm going to have a question for you to ask yourself. All right, you okay with that? All right, here we go. Here's the truth. Show me your treasures, and you show me your heart. Whatever or wherever your treasure is, show me your treasures, and you show me your heart. Scan your checkbook or your your bank app, and look where your treasure is going. Folks, for where your heart is, it's connected to your treasure. So here's the question I want to ask you this morning is, what am I going for? Am I going for eternal things or earthly things? Jesus says, that is one way that I can determine what your priorities are. Second one is through sight, our eyes. In Verses 22 to 23. Henry David Thoreau once said, it's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. Jesus said this in your notes. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. And when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? This morning, Jesus is saying, what do you see with your eyes? If your eyes are good and your whole life will be full of goodness, if your eyes are bad, this also will characterize your life. One commentator said this about this passage, because it's a little funny. What do, I mean, what's my eyes got to do with this? Listen to what he says. If your eye is not blurred, if your eye is focused clearly and you fully understand, the whole body is full of light. If your eye be evil, does not necessarily mean morally evil, but rather functioning poorly, if you have a cataract over your eyes, when you open them, light falls on them, but you can't see, and as a result, the whole body is in darkness. End of quote. So here's the truth. It's in your notes. We look for what we see, and we adjust our priorities according to the perception of our life. You see, you and I look at life through our eyes, through our experience, through our values, through our truth. That's why four people can watch one event happen and have four different conclusions. Why? Because we see them through our eyes, through our life experience. So here's the question that I ask you to look at. And it's this, what am I looking for? And by the way, whatever, look, whatever you look for, you find. If you look for bad stuff, guess what you're going to find? That was not a rhetorical question. What are you going to find if you're looking for bad stuff? Bad stuff. I mean, you can even find bad stuff about Billy Graham. If that's what you're looking for, because somebody out there probably thinks some bad stuff about Billy Graham. What is it that you look for? If you see right, your life will be determined by your sight. So as we're facing 2024, what are you looking for? What are you looking for God to do at Circle as we continue to go through this transition? Number three, serving. Which master? Even the great theologian Bob Dylan said this. Some of you will get that about Tuesday, I think. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. What did Jesus say? Look in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. Are you serving God's kingdom or the world's kingdom? Jesus says you, you're either serving one or the other. The only principle that is concrete that you might want to write down about this part is you can't serve both at the same time. Here's the priority truth. I can tell you who you're living for by who you serve. And these truths cut right through the veneer of lip service and slice to the real issues in our walk with God. So here's the question I want you to ask yourself is, what am I living for? And you might want to ask a second question is, who am I living for? Thomas Merton said this If you want to identify me, ask me not where I live or what I like to eat or how I comb my hair, but ask me what I am living for. In detail, ask me what I think is keeping me from living fully for the thing that I want to live. End of quote. Parents, want to have a fun conversation? When you go home today, ask your kids what they think you're living for. They might have an interesting perspective. Number four, stress, anxiety. There's <laughs> something that we can all identify with is stress, right? Gordon McDonald, in his book, Gordon, Your Private World, said this about stress. Stress is a major contributor, either directly or indirectly, Directly. To coronary heart disease, cancer, lung ailments, accidental injuries, cirrhosis of the liver, and suicide. What are the things that you worry about? Do you think about what you'll eat or what you drink or what you will wear? Jesus said in verse 25, It's not is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Then consider the example of the lilies. They do not toll or experience stress, yet God cares for them. The key may be that they allow God to care for them. And maybe we try to do it on our own. So here's the truth. What you'll die for, you'll live for. So the question is this. What are you dying for? The many women and men who went overseas to fight for our country were prepared to lay down their lives for our freedom. They were willing to die for freedom, but that in turn gave them a greater purpose to live for. There's one more, number five, seeking. Which priorities, verses 32 to 34. We can quickly point out the world's agenda They run after savings. Their outlook in life is determined by what they have in their sights. They serve themselves exclusively, and their lives are characterized by stress. But what about ourselves? Peel back the thin skin of piousness and ask God to probe your priority list today. Because here's the truth under this one. What my soul longs for, I will seek after. If if in my soul I long for recognition and approval, then I will do everything I can to please people. If in my soul I long for renewal and revival, I will long after God and seek to please him. So here's the question. What am I longing for? God gives, Jesus gives us these priority judgments and pleads with us to know what is important. Often things in life trip us up. An example of this is an Eastern Airlines jumbo jet that crashed in the Everglades of Florida. The plane was the now famous Flight 401 bound from New York to Miami with a heavy load of holiday passengers. And as the plane approached the Miami airport for its landing, the light that indicates proper deployment of the landing gear failed to light. The plane flew in a large looping circle to see if the gear had not deployed or if the bulb was just defective. When the flight engineer tried to remove the light bulb, it wouldn't budge, and the other crew members tried to help him. And as they struggled with the bulb, no one noticed that the aircraft was losing altitude and the plane flew into the swamp. Dozens of people were killed in that crash. While an experienced crew of high-priced pilots fiddled with a 75-cent bulb, the plane and the passengers flew right into the ground. Priorities. So we're at the beginning of the new year. We usually set goals. So I, I asked myself the question, so how do I make spiritual decisions? How did Jesus make spiritual decisions? A spiritual decision is different than other decisions, isn't it? Jesus said we need to ask these three questions. Here we go. First one is, will it last? Does it have eternal value? Is the decision I'm going to have or to make, pardon me, have eternal consequences? Ask yourself this question when faced with a major or minor decision. Secondly, will it bring light? And what I mean by this, will the decision help others? Will it elevate someone to a higher spiritual plane? Will it edify the body of Christ? Is it positive in nature? Will it make you better as a person? Will it bring light? And then the third one is this, Is it based on faith? Faith in God, not faith in faith itself. Do we have faith to allow God to provide for us? Do we trust him? Are we taking a chance or are we trusting in him as we get into this year of 2024? Here's the principle I want you to see. If we seek God's kingdom first, then we are under the umbrella of his protection. When we seek first his kingdom, friends, we are his responsibility. And we move ourselves, when we move ourselves out from under that protection, then we are our responsibility. And the Lordship of Christ doesn't protect those not under the priority protection because Christ is not the Lord of their lives. Because if Jesus were Lord of their life, then they would be under his protection. Jesus says to us, This is the the essence of my message here. Know what is important and seek what is important. So we need to have that desire. It's a continual desire to keep on seeking, to know what's important, and to keep on seeking what is important. So as we move down our outline here, I want to look at Jesus and how, how did he make decisions? What did he do or what did he say? So how did Jesus make life-changing decisions? Well, let's look at them. He did five things. Where did he go? Number one, he chose. Jesus had to make choices. You have to make choices. And by the way, friends, you're the victim of your choices. If you choose not to get to work on time day after day, and then your boss brings you in and you lose your job, it's not because you have a bad, a bad boss. It's because you made wrong choices. Today, the consequences of what we sit in this morning, where you are in your life, where I am in my life, is nothing more than the results of the decisions that I've made up until yesterday. Today, as far as decisions will determine our happiness tomorrow, even if you choose not to choose, you choose not to choose. Did you get that? One of the things that I love about the holidays at Christmas time is after all of the festivities, New Year's Day comes. And after I watch Canada lose in the hockey, I just moved my whole things towards football and being uh, in ministry for about 10 years in Windsor I got very connected to the University of Michigan and also uh, the University of uh, Michigan State but Bear Bryant was a tough football coach and I loved watching football I was teaching my grandson about what football does and I said see that yellow line at least when I was growing up we never had the yellow line But Bryant, when he coached, everybody knew the consequences of playing poor football. There was one game when Bryant's team was in the finals, and they were up by six points, and their team was on the opposing 40-yard line. The quarterback started the play and threw it right into the arms of the defensive back on the other team, and there was 45 seconds left in the game. And the chase was on. The quarterback, who had thrown the ball, went into overdrive to try to catch the man who had the ball, and he finally caught him on the six-yard line, and then the time ran out, and Bryant's team won. The opposing coach came over and said to Bryant, I didn't realize your quarterback was so fast. What happened? Listen to these words. Bryant said, your man was running for six points. The quarterback was running for his life. Jesus made eternal choices, friends, and today you and I have to make the same choice. Number two, he withdrew. Jesus withdrew from the world system, from the world's piping. When did Jesus withdraw? There's a couple of times when he did, one to deal with Satan. To pray against the pressures that were being laid against him by the Pharisees and by those that didn't believe. And Matthew says in chapter 12, verse 15, that after the Pharisees plotted how they might kill him, in verse 15 it says that he withdrew from that place. (laughs) You would too. The second time was Jesus also withdrew from the masses who wanted to see him. Mark chapter 3 records that Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. Which brings us to another verse in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, where Jesus withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. That's number three. He prayed. As I've wrestled with my own personal prayer life over the years, I'm drawn back to the life of Jesus. That's why for these years I've been spending time in the Gospels. Because the Son of God was compelled to spend time with His Father, how much more should we, the sons of men and women, be compelled to pray like Him? And every year I want to grow in my prayer life. How about you? That's why I encourage you to help and join me in that Bible reading plan that was in last week's email just to get into God's word, just to continue to to learn the things. We're in Job right now, because we go from Genesis real quick into Job because it's chronological. I've learned things about Job I've never known. And I've read Job before. How are you developing in your prayer life? Number four, he obeyed. John records for us in chapter four that when the disciples asked him, If he had eaten lunch, he replied, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Then number five, he declared. He knew his purpose for living. He stuck his neck out and made the decision. Luke records for us all that as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He didn't just shanty his way into Jerusalem he knew that's where his destiny was. He chose to do the will of the Father. He withdrew from the worldly pressures to fulfill it. He obeyed to know if his, he, pardon me, he prayed to know if his cup could pass over him. And he obeyed the ultimate plan of the Father. And he declared his desire to go to the cross despite the disciples persuading him not to. So what's the application for us this morning? (coughs) What's your response? Will you live for him? Or will you treat him like a sanctified Santa Claus? (coughs) What I mean by that is I will love you if you give me what I like. But not if I'm tried or if I'm tested or if I have to suffer. You see, you must get under the priority protection. Seek God's kingdom first and God will take care of your needs. You see, in Philippians 2, and we don't have time to go there, verses 4, 5 to 8, we see that Jesus gave up, gave up everything. In verses 9 to 11, he modeled what we're just talking about in Matthew six thirty-three. So today, you and I must respond to Jesus' teaching on priorities. And some of you here today, you need to take those five priority questions that we talked about on the other side of our notes and seriously evaluate what you're living for. Let God take care of the small stuff. But you must first decide about the big stuff to seek his kingdom first. You see, we have a wonderful Savior, and he modeled the very principles that he desires us to embrace. And so my question for you this morning is, will you embrace them today? Will you embrace them for this year? Will you live for him? Will you pray with me? Worship team, won't you join me here? just in the quietness of this moment right now. Just ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that you need to do with what you've heard today? Father in heaven, thank you for your commitment to us so that we can have a relationship with you. You made us a priority. Jesus, thank you for teaching us how to live, how to walk, how to set the right priorities, to know what is important and to seek what is important. Holy Spirit, will you equip us to imitate Jesus? Will you empower us to seek first your kingdom? At the beginning of this new year in transition, will you visit us? Will you heal us? Will you reveal your vision for us? Will you lead us? We need your presence, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here. Would you deal gently with us? Mold us and shape us into the women and men that you desire us to be not only for today, but for 2024. May we see Jesus in new ways. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us today. For we pray in the mighty, precious, Name of Jesus. Amen.